Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will. Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Lord, as we gather together in the quietness, we just consider our everyday walking around, going to work lives, the things that we do day by day, the interactions that we have, the opportunities that you give us. We bring all of that to you. We lay it before you. And we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We ask you, Lord, that you do a work in us this morning, that you speak to our hearts, that you open your word to us. Change us, Lord, to be more and more like Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Great to be back. Thank you. Welcome home. Yes. Great to be back from a time of extended leave. Uh, Refreshed. Yes. Reinvigorated. We had a wonderful time in New Zealand, amongst other places, but certainly New Zealand. Any Kiwis here today? One question for you, why are you here? Like, why would you ever leave New Zealand? What a wonderful place. In Derek's case, they, uh, they wouldn't let him back in. I think that's probably the truth of the matter. Still, there's no place like home, is there? So great to be back and uh, drawing to the end of our series on being a people of peace. I'm speaking today about what it means to be a sent people Someone asked me this morning, after all this time away, um, do you remember how to preach? <laughs> well, um, we're about to find out. That's <laughs> what I said to them. But by way of introduction, I want to tell you this morning about my Auntie Audrey in Adelaide. Uh, here's a recent picture of her with my big sister. Uh, that's her on the right, in case you need any clarification. <laughs> but uh, let me say, two giants of the faith right there. Auntie Audrey is about to turn 96. Wow, yeah, and as you can see, she's, um, uh, she's up and about. She's actually quite nimble on her feet, quite robust for her age. Uh, she appears to be in great health, 96. And uh, in many ways, she is at that age. She's certainly still able to dress herself and feed herself and, uh, you know, those other private things, toilet and shower herself. Um, she's amazing, really. Uh, but what you can't tell from that picture is that Auntie Audrey has dementia, It's quite advanced. So what that means in her case 
is she's pretty happy actually much of the time. She's very content. She's incredibly thankful in all circumstances. She's still full of faith. She's an absolute delight. But actually, she's not able to function effectively in society or even within a household. She doesn't really understand what's going on, actually. And so if you were to send her off on a simple assignment to fulfil a simple task, um, it's probably not going to go well. And many of you know uh, what that's about. Um, for example, you know, Auntie Audrey, can you take your dishes and load them into the dishwasher in the kitchen? Seems simple enough. But uh, the dishes uh, <laughs> will probably end up somewhere unexpected and uh, not in the kitchen. So it's very sad, actually. It's very challenging for my sister and her husband, who have Auntie Audrey living with them full time, actually. And, uh, you know, I look at that and I think, wow. Um, I don't know, actually, if I could do that. I'd, I'd like to think that I could, but I don't know if I could. But I know many of you have dealt with or are dealing with similar circumstances in your extended family, so you know what that's about, you know, the challenge and the heartache of all of that. We recently, towards the end of my leave, we had my parents staying with us, and uh, one of their quotes that I recall is, um, getting old is not much fun, Nick. <laughs> so why do I tell you about that, about Auntie Audrey, all of that? Well, I was recently reflecting on her situation and um, it seems to me that here in Australia, the church, the Bride of Christ, has developed a form of spiritual dementia, actually, similar to Auntie Audrey. We have the appearance of being in good health, we're happy, we're content as we gather to sing songs of praise and worship and that's just a wonderful thing and... Um, you know, we care for one another, hopefully better and better as we learn more about that. We're thankful, we're sincere. And yet in many ways, we're not as effective as we might be in fulfilling the fundamental tasks that Jesus has sent us to accomplish. We seem to have forgotten who we are called by God to be and what we've been called by God to do. We're afflicted with a type of spiritual dementia that renders us ineffective. Now I'm speaking in generalities, of course, about the Australian church in general. And, you know, let me say here in this, this church at Mount Pleasant, um, there are lots of individuals who are amazing examples of what it means to be sent by God, to be salt and light in the community around us. So many of you are an inspiration and encouragement to me by your example. But this morning, let's cast our eyes more broadly and let's also be courageous enough to examine ourselves a little more closely to see if the Lord wants to speak to you, to me, to deepen our understanding of what it means for us to be sent, sent by God for a particular purpose. So our reading this morning comes from John chapter 17 and verses 13 to 19. Let me read that for us. This is Jesus' prayer. I'm coming to you now. He says, Father, I'm coming to you now. 
But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, this is the key verse for us this morning, as you sent me, Father, into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. So the context of this passage is Jesus' famous famous three-part prayer in which he prays first for his disciples uh, sorry, first for himself and then secondly for his disciples and then third, the third part of the prayer is that he prays for all believers through history, which of course includes us. And he offers this prayer toward the end of his life, which is why he says, Father, I'm coming to you now. So he recognises at this point um, that his time on earth is nearly over. And it's interesting, if you read through the whole prayer in John 17, and I encourage you to do that, Actually, five times in chapter 17 in this prayer, Jesus makes reference to the fact that he himself has been sent by the Father. You see that in verses 3, 8, 17, 21 and 25. Five times, which suggests that actually there's something important that Jesus wants us to grasp here. So I don't know how you think about such things, but for me, I try and imagine in my mind's eye a conversation that took place in the Godhead within the Godhead in another time, another dimension. And in this conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there emerged this grand master plan for the salvation of humanity. And this groundbreaking, earth-shattering plan revolved around this key strategy of the Father sending the Son into the world. It's a mind-blowing concept, this idea that the the eternal, pre-existent Word of God might somehow become flesh and blood and take on the form of a mere mortal human being to become human, fully God and fully man, as we understand from the Scriptures, and sent by the Father to earth in order to create a pathway to eternal salvation for all who would believe. It's the gospel. Now, I think Jesus had a full understanding of that background as he prayed this prayer with its emphasis on him being sent by the Father to the world. In fact, um, the Bible tells us that's true. John 13, 3 says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that. And he knew, it says, that he had come from God, he'd come from the Father, and was returning to God. So even in his humanity, Jesus had some understanding of his pre-existent divinity. That's a remarkable thought, isn't it? He knew he had been sent from heaven for a purpose. And now, here in this prayer, he says, In the same way as I have been sent, so now you are being sent. 
Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear that and I think, yeah, but it's not the same thing, is it? <laughs> it's not really the same because Jesus was sent from, he came from heaven. I'm not, and, he, and he's God, like it's not, so it's not the same, it's different. Well, let me remind you of some of the remarkable truths of scripture. If you've, if you've met, as you sit here this morning, if you've met Jesus, you've responded in faith to his call on your life at some point, his, his generous invitation to you, then the following statements are true of you. Let me give you four of them. Number one, you are born again as a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So no, you are not God, but in a very real sense, God is in you. Number two, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, Ephesians tells us. That's how you are positioned now. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Number three, you've received the Holy Spirit, for goodness sake. The third person of the Trinity, you've received somehow. That impartation of the presence of God, the living presence of God, you've received the Holy Spirit. And number four, your citizenship or your true home is now not on earth but in heaven. Amen. Wow. Those are amazing truths. You know, the position you have been given in Christ is a position of such privilege, such honour, such status, such authority that the Bible says even angels long to look into these things. The angels who are with God all the time, they long to look into the opportunities that you and I have been given. Angels are astonished that you and I have been granted such status, adopted into God's family as God's own children, invited in Christ into that community of the Godhead. Angels are astonished by that. They look at you and I and where we're seated in Christ in the heavenly they go, wow, they're astonished. Let me ask you this morning, are you astonished? Are you astonished? Or are you afflicted with a kind of spiritual dementia that has caused you to forget who you are and forget your position, forget your status, forget your privilege, forget your calling, and forget your very purpose? As a French priest with a difficult name, Pierre, too hard to pronounce or something, Pierre something. But this is what he says. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. You know, sometimes people are accused of being too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. But all too often the complete reverse of that statement is sadly true, that as people of God, People called by God, sent by God, actually end up being, of, being too earthly-minded to be of any heavenly good. Our focus is too much on the things of this world and this life, making more money, having more fun experiences, storing up more proverbial grain in the storehouse. You fool, says Jesus, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Who then will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
Wow. Sobering words. Seek first the kingdom of God, says Jesus. And that means living our lives from the position of our orientation in Christ. So as a sent people, it's critically important that we understand the remarkable position from which we are being sent, which is why I've spent so long laboring that point. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a new creation, you're seated with Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're the holder of heavenly citizenship, citizenship. that's who you are. So don't allow the sharpness of that truth to become dulled by a veil of spiritual dementia. Wake up, O sleeper, says Ephesians 5. Remember who you are. Walk in that truth. And as you go, as you are sent into the world, into an environment of darkness and despair and need, Jesus promises to provide you with four things that you'll need. And they're just listed there very neatly in this prayer of Jesus. Let me just highlight them for you. Joy, revelation, protection, sanctification. I'll touch on each of these just very briefly this morning. Number one is joy. Jesus' prayer is that you'll have the full measure of his joy within you. Wow, don't you want that? Wow, yes. I say yes, please. The full measure of Jesus' joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's great truth in that. Joy is a powerful thing, actually. It's contagious. It builds strength and it builds confidence into people. As we have the joy of the Lord together, it builds confidence. We build confidence and strength into one another. Remember when Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke 10 and the Bible says that they returned with what? With joy. They returned with joy. They said, Lord, even the, de- even the demons submit to us in your name. This kingdom stuff, it works, Lord. They're so happy. It works. The thing is, though, their joy in that case was based on the success of their ministry. Let me tell you, that's a shaky foundation for joy. Because life will tell you that success, all kinds of success, even success in ministry, will come and go. It will ebb and flow. And so there's a slight tone of caution or correction in Jesus' response to them when he says to them, hey, don't rejoice in that. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love it. I love the way that straight after that, the Bible tells us that then Jesus, full of joy in the Holy Spirit, thanks his Father in heaven. These guys, at last, they're starting to get it. They understand. And that fills Jesus with joy. When we start to get it, when we start to understand, rejoice in eternal things that are unchanging. That's the source of true joy. That's real joy. I love it when Peter talks about being filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For, he says, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You're receiving that. Doesn't that fill you with joy? If it doesn't, then your joy meter's busted or something. (laughs) That joy, that joy is available to you this morning. Number two is revelation. And Jesus' prayer is that you'll have uh, the revelation of the word of the Father. That's what I was speaking about earlier. This revelation from God, an understanding of who you are 
in Christ. It's only by revelation that you understand that as Jesus says, you are, you're not of this world. Don't live as if you're of this world. You're not of this world, says Jesus. Even, even as Jesus is not of this world, Jesus came from the Father, returned to the Father. Somehow that's true for us as well. We will return to the Father. We're not of this world. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. You were born for a life that's not temporal, but eternal. A life with the Father. That's something that you don't just figure out in your head on your own. That's by revelation. That's revealed. These things are revealed to us as we come to God by faith. And so if you're going to be effective as a follower of Jesus, as one who is sent, you need that initial revelation and you need plenty of ongoing revelation, the truth of God's word revealed to you, constantly reminding you, as I'm reminding you this morning, of who you are, who you are in Christ. Ongoing revelation. And that will involve time and effort on your part to immerse yourself in the word of God. What an amazing Provision that is from God. We have his word available to us. Soak yourself in the word of God. That revelation is available to you in Christ. Number three is protection. Jesus prays, Father, my prayer is that you protect them from the evil one. We have an enemy. We really do. Jesus refers to him here as the evil one and his sole single-minded purpose is to attack and undermine your faith, your trust in God. That's all that he is about, to attack and undermine your faith. And if one strategy doesn't work, he'll try a new one. So the enemy will use tragedy and trial and trauma to convince you that God has abandoned you or he doesn't really love you, that he doesn't really care for you. Or that, you know, somehow that life is not worth living. We have an enemy. He whispers those things in your ear. It's not worth it. Life's not worth living. If that doesn't work, he'll use wealth and prosperity and a comfortable life to distract you into thinking, you don't really need God. Have a look at your life. You're doing fine without him. All the stuff you've got, you don't need God. If that doesn't work, he'll use a veil of spiritual dementia to cause you to forget who you are in Christ and what it is that you've been called to do in his name, leading you to a place of apathy and indifference, an attitude of can't be bothered, or perhaps even worse, a posture of religiosity. It's a dangerous thing. Jesus says in Luke 10, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's not to say that you're weak, although you are, apart from Christ. But that as you are sent, you are sent into enemy territory where the powers of darkness have a stronghold. So do not succumb to the attacks and the temptations of the enemy. When the attacks and troubles come, and they will, Jesus says they will, we are not taken by surprise as people of faith. We don't throw our hands in the air in self-pity. 
and cry out, well, why, this is not fair. Why are all these terrible things happening to me? We don't do that. We determine instead to respond with a shield of faith. We determine to fix our eyes on Jesus and draw from his joy, draw from his revelation, and draw from his protection, which he promises to provide for us. When the enemy attacks, we don't fold, we don't cave, we stand and we stand together in his protection. A shield of faith with all of the armour of God that we can put on. That protection is available to you in Christ. And then finally, we have his sanctification. It's a fancy way of saying that we're set apart for God's holy purposes. I don't know if you're a fan of the Chosen series. Um, I am, particularly the first couple of seasons. I think it sort of ran out a bit of steam after that somehow. But <laughs> I love the graphic, though. I love the graphic that they use. Um, the fish all swimming along in the same direction. And then a few different coloured fish you'll see swimming against the tide, against the flow of secular culture, set apart to be different. We are set apart by God to be different as we live for Jesus. The late, great Tim Keller says the biblical word for holy actually means different. That is, we're sanctified, called to be set apart, to be holy. We're called to be different. We're sent to be different. Now, I'm not a great cook, but I do enjoy some cooking from time to time. And, uh, you know, when I cook a meal, I follow a recipe. Unlike Margie, who uh, just makes it up as she goes along, actually. Always delicious, always great results. But by contrast, um, I'm very systematic and ordered. So one of the things I like to do, actually, is I, I get all the ingredients, I don't know if any of you do this, I get them out of the pantry and I, I line them up on the bench. That's our kitchen bench at home. I line them along on the bench in the order that I'm going to use them. It's very systematic, isn't it? <laughs> and I find it strangely satisfying to use them one by one and then put them away after I've used them. Clean up as I go. Yes, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm doing with those ingredients is setting them apart for a purpose. I'm taking them out of the rest from all the rest of the stuff in the fridge and the pantry, setting them apart for a purpose. They're all important. They all have a part to play in the creation of the masterpiece of a meal that I'm producing. But let that image be a reminder that you and I are sanctified. We're set apart for God's holy purposes, important ingredients in his recipe for the salvation of humanity. Let it be said, some of us are more like chili flakes and others of us are more like potato. I'm probably at the potato end of the spectrum. A bit boring, sort of reliable, but not that exciting. But in practical terms, let me say, that means over time, we learn what it means as those ingredients, if you like, to be included in God's plans and to walk with him and to work with him. We learn to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. 
and have our hearts moved by the things that move God's heart. It's all part of what it means to walk in step with the Spirit of God according to those unforced rhythms of grace that he has for us. And so then over time, as we do that, we find that we're moulded more and more into the likeness of Christ, that our, our lives are not aimless. We're given a definite commission, as Craig talked about last week, a co-mission by the Lord and with the Lord, because as he sends us, he calls, he equips, he enables, and he accompanies us as he sets us apart for his purposes. And that sanctification is available to you in Christ. Amen. As we close, I'm going to encourage you to pray. In fact, let's just bow in prayer. As you pray, let me encourage you to pray, not for others, but for yourself. Maybe you can relate to that idea of spiritual dementia personally. That somehow you've lost your focus, your sharpness, that awareness of who you are, the purpose that God has called you to. Why don't you pray just even in these moments, Lord, heal me of my spiritual dementia. Wake me up. Give me renewed focus. Maybe you feel a specific need to ask the Lord for one or more of those things that he offers you. More joy. You've lost a bit of your joy. More revelation. You've forsaken his word. More protection. You feel that you're under some kind of attack. More sanctification. So you realise that you've begun to sw swim with the flow of our culture rather than swimming against that flow. This is what Jesus prays for you. So you can ask today with great confidence that this is his will. Let's respond to the Lord together. God, our Father, we thank you for this prayer of Jesus that is a prayer for us. Thank you for the wonderful, amazing truth that even at this very moment that Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, even in this moment, intercedes for us, that he prays for us. That, Lord Jesus, you understand fully what we go through in this life. You've lived this life with all its trouble, with all its temptations, its trials, its trauma. You understand, Lord, what it means to be under attack from the evil one. 
But Lord, you're victorious at the cross and we join as those who also ultimately are victorious. We look to you. We ask you, Lord, for more joy, for more revelation, more of your spirit, Lord, more sanctification. Help us, Lord, we pray as we live our lives with our eyes fixed on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.